You are listening to Venture Church Podcast. For more information, visit jointheventure.com or facebook.com slash jointheventure. We hope you enjoy. When I was in high school, I had a uh, S10 Blazer SUV. Anybody remember that truck? Loved it. Had a big spare tire on the back, four-wheel drive. And even though, like, if, if you know me, you might have known that I kind of grew up that, that skater grunge rock genre of human being, even a little bit of punk rock, that was me, but I lived in Redneckville, and so you can't get away without living like a redneck a little bit, and so I loved going out with my truck and go mudslinging. You're, anybody ever do that, mudslinging? You take your truck, you take a perfectly good vehicle, and you do everything in your power to ruin it. That's your goal in mudslinging, and so I remember going out with my buddies, and we would go down, and we'd find some muddy trails or some big old pits of mud, or we'd find... Probably looking back in hindsight, I'm sure that a lot of what we did was probably not very legal, going on probably people's personal property. And so if you owned a farm in the 90s that someone ruined with a truck, I apologize because I, I shouldn't have done that. But I did. And so that's what I did. And so this is one time when I was out uh, riding with my buddies. And when, when you have a little bit of redneck in you, there's this phrase, a lot of your best stories start with somebody telling you, I bet you won't. Like, you know, so a lot of my stories started like this, and so there was this big pit that I was going to drive through, and they said, I bet you want. I said, I bet I will, and so a piece of the story that you need to know is that my dad had told me, Chris, stop taking your truck through the mud. You're going to ruin it, right? Stupid 17-year-old Chris thought, what does my dad know? <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so I did it. Bet you want, bet I will, take it through the mud, what happened? Man, I got stuck. I got stuck so bad. It wasn't my first rodeo. I'd been stuck before. Typically, you get a couple of buddies. They throw a strap out to you, hook it up, and you throw a lot of mud, but eventually you get out, and that's half the fun. Wasn't happening. We tried everything. The one thing that I was not willing to try was to call my dad. (laughs) No way. There's no way I'm telling my dad. He's going to be like, I told you so. I told you not to drive your truck through the mud. So I didn't call him. We tried everything, but everything we tried just made it worse and worse, and worse, and by the time we left the spot that day, I was so deep in mud that I could hardly open my driver's side door. That's deep, (laughs) that's deep. I was stuck, I was absolutely, undeniably, irreversibly stuck. And I'll finish that story a little later, but it's that concept, that idea of being stuck, I don't wanna talk about just for a few minutes today. What we're going to do today is I'm going to talk about something a little bit shorter. I'm going to kick off kind of this new teaching series that we're in, and then we're going to get into celebrating the one-year birthday stuff. But I think as we address one another today, one thing that we've got to realize is that we all start on this even playing ground. You know what I mean? Sometimes when you come to church or when you're around people who have some sort of religion or Christianity or any other faith, there's this idea that maybe somebody else is above you and you're below them and you're just trying to, trying to get as good as they are, but the reality is... We all found ourselves stuck, many times unmistakably and seemingly irreversibly stuck, not in the mud, but in life. Stuckness is when you find yourself looking at life, all the component parts of life, and you see them sitting there, but then you go, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know how to proceed from here. Have you been there? Maybe for you it was... um, you're a parent, you've got kids. If you didn't know, kids do not come with instruction manuals. I was very disappointed to find this out. And you start working with your kids and you just, 
what do I do right now? <laughs> There's no experience for me to draw from. What do I do? How do I proceed? Maybe for you as a relationship, we feel stuck in relationships many times, right? This is not where I thought it would be or it went somewhere where I didn't want it to go or I'm sitting here and I'm looking at this person that it's just not who I thought they were. I look at the component parts and I feel stuck, uncertain of what to do next. Maybe for you it's your job, it's your career, it's your nine to five. You wake up in the morning, you go, this isn't what I imagined. This isn't what, this isn't what I pictured. And you look at the component parts of life and you go, where do I go from here? Am I talking to anybody? Is that you? Or maybe for you it's financial. Finances are terrible. We got a messed up economy. And, and, and have you ever been there where no matter what you do to try to get ahead, it just doesn't work? And you're stuck and you don't know what to do next. Maybe for you it's just that you feel stuck in life. It's just a rut. It's not exciting. There's no adventure. There's nothing to look forward to. I just kind of get up, do my day, go back to sleep, rinse and repeat, right? And that's life. You ever felt stuck? Well, this week we're beginning this new teaching series, I Want a Movie Life. We're looking at life principles from the silver screen. Our goal is to take every week a look at a different movie throughout the past year or 12 months and see what great life principle we can pull from that. The main goal from that is this. Uh, movies are awesome. Have you ever watched a movie and at the other end of the movie you went, that changed my life, <laughs> you know? And it's kind of stupid when you stop and think, you're like, no, it was Tom Hanks. He was not really the ship captain. Um, but in the moment, it's changing you. It's moving you. One movie has the ability to impact this crowd a hundred different ways. And, and, and you can be laughing, you can cry, and then you're, you're suddenly you're inspired, and then you want to go and be an entrepreneur, and the next thing you know, you're, you're, you're a civil rights activist, and then you're pulling for children, and then you, you're laughing at a kitten. And there's just so many ups and downs in movies, and that's why I love them, because it's like, it's like life in many ways. It's life in motion. It's life recorded by pictures. Um, and... and so we're looking at this series, I Want a Movie Life, and this week we're going to take a look, if you haven't guessed already, from the song that was sung this morning, Disney Pixar's Frozen, Frozen. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie Frozen, I'm not going to spoil it for you today, but I want to encourage you, it's a good movie, you should really check it out. If you have seen the movie Frozen, and you have children under the age of 10, you've probably seen the movie 74 times, and you hate Aaron right now for singing that song with the band this morning, because now you just got that song, let it go, let... I just got that song out of my head, and now it's going to be there for two more weeks. So that's me. I've got a five-year-old, and during their practice this morning, she was literally standing right here singing to the top of her lung. I'm in the band. <laughs> Frozen. It's a great movie. It's got a lot of things, and there, there are a lot of different directions we could go with a, a life principle we could pull from that movie. But this, today, let's just take a look at the characters. When the movie begins, we see a pair of sisters, uh, Anna and Elsa, and they're princesses. And we're going to focus on the older sister, Elsa. Because Elsa has something going on in her life that a lot of people don't know. She's got a secret. It's more than a secret, it's a secret power. If she was an X-Man, it would be awesome. But Disney, not so much. She has the ability to freeze things. And that's her secret power. It's really cool, it's really convenient, like if your drink is a little warm, unfortunately she can't control it. And so we find throughout the course of the movie that her inability to control her, her power, it leads to problems and, and, it, and it hurts people that she cares a lot about. And so we find a point in the movie where uh, the girls have grown up and Elsa is being coronated as the queen. And as she's being, being prepared to become queen of her nation, she's got this internal battle because she's got a secret. 
She's got this battle on the inside because of this secret power, and she knows that despite her best efforts, she cannot control it. And she knows that if she takes this position as the queen, it's going to put a lot of people in danger because what if? What if she loses control? What if she does the wrong thing? What if she hurts somebody? And she has nobody to talk to at this point in the movie. Nobody knows but her. Nobody. What do you do? Imagine starting that therapy session. You sit with the counselor. Yeah, well, I'm the queen. Well, you already knew that, of course, subject. Um, and I could freeze your brain right now if I wanted to. Oh, sorry, did things just get awkward? Like, who do you talk to? Who do you tell about a superpower? So that's where we find our main character, Elsa, was stuck. She was literally and figuratively stuck and frozen. Perhaps a good reason to name the movie that. Probably not. Those probably had more to do with the snow and the little singing snowman. But she was stuck. She was frozen. She didn't know where to turn for help. She didn't know anybody to trust, and, and nobody could understand what do you do when you hit that moment? What do you do when you're stuck? When you look at the component parts of life and you go, where do I go from here? In the movie, Elsa has a couple of ways she deals with it. The first way she deals with it is through isolation. If you've seen the movie, you know she, she kind of locks herself away. She doesn't want to see anybody. She doesn't want to talk to anybody. Her way of dealing with her stuckness, her problem, is just to hide. She hides, and even her parents give her this great advice. Don't let them in. Don't let them see, be the good girl you are. That's the song. If you didn't see it, I just look dumb. But if you did, you'd hate me even more because you don't want to sing that song in your head. Don't let them in. Don't let them see. That is the advice her parents give her. So what does she do? She hides. She hides in her room. She locks the door. She won't talk to her sister. She won't talk to anybody. She won't come out. That's isolation. And I wonder if you've ever tried to deal with problems that way. I've got friends like this. They get in the car. They go to work. They get out. They run into the office. They shut themselves in. They sit behind their computer, do what they do. They go straight back to their car, they go back home, they go to their, their room, and they, and they wait till tomorrow. They don't want to talk to anybody. They don't want to let anybody in. They don't want to break the walls down that have kept them isolated, and it's the isolation that they're using to cope with the stuckness. She used isolation. Another thing she used was suppression. My, my counselor would have called it suppression. Um, it's, it's the concept when uh, once she realizes that she can't hide in her room anymore, she has to come out. So she comes out. But amongst people, she won't talk about her problems. Even her sister, who really wants a relationship with her, she won't. She won't talk about it. She suppresses it. She packs it down, packs it down, packs it down, deep, deep inside. Have you ever done that? Have you ever taken a problem and going, you know, I'm just not going to deal with this right now. Not going to deal with it. Another problem. Pack it, pack it, pack it. Has anyone ever handed you a soda that has been shaken up really good? And then... At the, the first moment of weakness, which is when the cap twists, psst, what happens? Boom! Dr. Pepper everywhere, which is really sad because I really like Dr. Pepper. But has that ever happened to you? When, have you been on the receiving end of an exploding Dr. Pepper in someone's life? They've been packing it down, packing it down, packing it down, and you're like, hey, could you hand me the stapler? They're like, boom, that's my stapler! You're like, Whoa, Dr. Pepper everywhere. It's a mess. And, and that's what happens when we suppress. When we pack down our problems and we don't deal with it, they're going to come up and explode. The, the problem and the danger with that, and I just want to say this in case maybe no one's ever told you. Sometimes after we explode, we feel better. <sighs> I just need to flip out on somebody real quick. Glad it was that guy I don't know. <laughs> but you didn't really fix the problem. All you did was make more room to pack in more problems. You didn't deal with the freaking problem. Deal with the problem. 
I wish so many times I could take some of my best friends and just say, would you stop? Would you just stop and just deal with the problem? Stop pretending like you can make it go away. Stop trying to hide from it. Let's deal with the problem. I try to deal with it's my problem. When we got stuck in the mud that day, my friends, we tried everything imaginable. We started out by getting twi- twigs and, and, and rocks and, and branches. You ever did that? Some of you guys who have been in this ridiculous situation before, you're like, we can fix this. And so you're putting stuff in. Get your book bag and put it under here. That'll work. Shoes, pants, everything. Put it under the tires. And all it does is make your stuff really muddy. It doesn't actually work. So then we try the method. We're going to dig out. We got shovels. We're digging. Terrible idea. Just quicksand. Okay? Then we try the method where we rock back and forth and forward, backward, forward, back. And maybe we can get out. Nothing worked. It only made it worse. Even our time-tested method of getting some other guy's truck hooked up to my truck and pulling it didn't work because in this particular situation, it was just the ground was too soft. What happened? He got his truck stuck too. (laughs) And the last thing I wanted to do was call my dad. How have you dealt with your stuckness? You know, there's a lot of ways. Maybe it's been isolation and suppression. Maybe you use shopping therapy. Swipe it. Swipe it, swipe it. If I can look swag, I can be all good. It's good. Got the nicest car, got the nicest stuff. Oh, I'm feeling sad about myself. I need new stuff. Shopping therapy, maybe that was you. Maybe for you, it's, you, you feel better by making other people feel small. You're just a jerk. I, I've, I've done that, I gotta admit. I've been told that I was a jerk. And I tell my wife all the time I'm working on it. And you know, it's like, <laughs> how do you deal with your stuckness? That's not a joke. That's a true story. <laughs> Maybe you take your stuckness out on your body, and then you, you overeat. Or you over-exercise. I'm going to go run five more miles, because it's easier than dealing with this. Maybe you take it on your body in other ways, with drugs, with alcohol. You just want to go smoke a little pot, and just takes the edge off. You want to go just kind of lose your mind with some drugs. You, you want to go look at a little porn you know, nobody else has to know. And, and you take it out and you, and you hide and you do all these things. And, and the question is, are we really getting to the core of our problems when we do that? Maybe for you, I've been guilty of this. Maybe the way you get out of your stuckness is just by to walk around feeling real religious. I'm going to go to church and talk about God a lot. I'm going to dress right, hang out with the right people. But still, we're not dealing with the problem. We're just putting a face on it. And so there's all these ways we deal with our stuckness. It leaves us with one nagging, whiny question. So what do I do to get unstuck? I wish I could stand here and give you like the five-point plan that will work for everybody. But you all know that I would be foolish to try that. Instead, what I want to do is draw out a principle that we can all begin with. Because I know that all of us on some level feel a little bit stuck at times. Some of you right now are feeling really stuck. In fact, it might be why you're here you got a postcard in the mail this week from some church, and you're like, hey, there's a free hamburger involved. I'm stuck. I'm going to go try it. I don't know what brought you here. But what if the answer is, how do I get unstuck? What if the answer is, stop trying to fix it yourself? What if it's that simple? What if it begins with saying, I don't know how life works. I don't know how I was constructed on a spiritual level. So how could I be the mechanic to fix me? What if we stopped trying to fix everything ourselves and started to look somewhere else? 
We're going to look in the Bible for just a minute today. Adventure Church, I love to say this as often as I can, that we love to look at the Bible to the, for the answers to life's most important questions. And we're going to be in a place that I don't know that a lot of us have been before. Uh, even if you grew up in church, a lot, not a lot of time spent reading the book of Jeremiah. Really good story in the book of Jeremiah, but we're going to be in the book of Jeremiah. If you don't have a Bible today, we've got free ones to give away. Uh, some of them are under your seats. We've got some in the back of the room there where the coffee is. Feel free to grab a Bible before you leave today. Feel free to use a Bible on your cell phone. They're free on the internet. But if you don't have one, by all means, check it out on the screen. The scripture I'm reading is going to be right behind us. We find the book of Jeremiah at the end of the Old Testament of the Bible, which is the Old Testament of the Bible is about the first two-thirds of the Bible that deals with the history of God's chosen people, the Jews. They're also called the Israelites or the Hebrews throughout the Bible. And Jeremiah is a spokesperson. He's kind of like a preacher or a pastor. God has been kind of revealing some truth to Jeremiah, and Jeremiah is sharing it with the people. And there's this one moment in Jeremiah chapter 18, which is where we're going to land today. If you're flipping, I'll give you a second to find it. In Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 through 5, we get the quintessential Jeremiah story, where God comes to Jeremiah and says, I want to show you something. The people of Israel that Jeremiah was teaching, they were stuck they were constantly stuck. They were constantly getting themselves in over their heads in their life. And God would continuously send them people to share his truth. And this is what they said, he said to them, Jeremiah 18, 1 through 5. He says, this is the word that came to Jeremiah for the Lord. He says to Jeremiah, go to the potter's house, like the place where the potter lives. Go to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from clay was marred by his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it, as it seemed to be, shaping it as it seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, can I not do with you, Israel, as the potter does with the clay, declares the Lord? Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand. O Israel, O church, O venture church family. Can't I do the same thing with you that the potter does with the clay? God's saying, you feel stuck? You feel like a mess? You feel ugly? You feel confused or broken? Maybe you feel empty? It's okay. I made you. I am the potter. I am the designer. I know about your confusion. I know about your doubts and your fears. I know about your addictions. I know about your mistakes. I know about your habits. I'm the potter. You're the clay. I can make you into something beautiful, but would you please just let me? What if the way to get unstuck is to try, stop trying to fix everything? Adventure Church, we have this phrase. Uh, we've got three that we use all the time. We say that we want to be God-chasing, grace-shaped love agents. And those are our three big goals as a church family. And that middle one, grace-shaped, is, is about this right here. Like clay, we go through life and life shapes us. Our experiences, our failures, our successes, our opportunities, our lack of opportunities, all those things shape us like clay. So that when we come into a gathering like this, we're all holding this ugly lump of clay in our hands. Some are prettier than others. But God says... I want to shape you with my grace, with my forgiveness, with my love. That's why we say we want to be grace-shaped as a community. We don't want to be a place where you're defined by your past, but only by the future we can have in God's love. Grace-shaped. Jenny Allen is an author, and she said this. She said, our stuck places are the very places that make us ache for God. Our stuck places are the very places that make us ache for God. That's why you hear so many people talking about 
It was a bad day. I was laying in my bed that night, and I finally just said, hey, God, are you out there? I need to talk to somebody. It's in our stuck places where we may ache for God. You might not agree with that. You might be in a place where this is your first time in church, your first time experiencing church or God or Christians, and it's okay. It's okay because what I believe is that God understands that. He knows where you are, and he says, listen, I love you so much that I want to get you out of that stuck place into a place where you can feel whole. I told you the story about my truck, and I told you how many things we tried, and everything we tried to get out didn't work, but finally I broke down. I had to call my dad. And you know, it's kind of the funniest part of the story, because my dad, my dad, first of all, he's like, mm-hmm. You know how dads do? I'm like, I know, I know. Mm-hmm. All right. He calls his buddy down the road who's a farmer. Guy's got a tractor. The wheels are this tall. You seen these tractors? He's got the, it's a, tra- it's a man's tractor, right? My dad has to go pick up that tractor and drive it across town. <laughs> Which at the time wasn't very funny for him, but looking back, I still laugh. He gets to the field, and what does he do? Hooks up a couple giant chains and pops them right out of the mud. You know why? Because I was stupid, but my dad was smart. He knew how to fix the problem. And you know what? No analogy is perfect, so we're going to end it there. But is it possible that it's time for you to call the potter? Say, look, I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I've tried everything. Tried everything that I can think of. But I heard you had a tractor. (laughs) God can you help get me unstuck? What I want to invite you to do is to come back for the rest of this series. We're doing three more weeks of this. We're going to be looking at movies, movies that you've probably seen. Be checking out our Facebook page throughout the weeks, and we'll tell you a couple days in advance what movie we're watching. You can go watch it yourself and just kind of be ready for some of the stories. But the point is not to uh, give spoilers for the movies. The point is to find the life principles that we can live by. And the fact is that we all experience stuckness. We still feel stuck from time to time. But the question is, where are you going with your stuckness? I'm so excited to be in this room with you right now. I had to, um, you don't all know Emily. Emily is, is someone who uh, makes sure that emails for the church go out, and she does so many great things. She actually organized a lot of this birthday awesomeness. Uh, but we were both running around this morning doing some crazy stuff, and she grabbed me, she said, stop, look around. <laughs> and I, I looked, and I saw that there's a family here. And I gotta be honest, I, I've been stuck a few times in the last couple years since we've moved here and I've met a lot of you. And God has used you to help get me unstuck. Let's do that for each other. Let's call the potter. Let's get started. If, you, if you're in a place today where you, you got no idea what steps to take, just keep coming back and hanging out with us every week. That's just for a couple weeks. Give, give it four weeks. Just try four. Come back four times. Finish out this series. If you'll build some relationships, maybe find some answers. If you're in a place where you're in a kind of a transition mode, begin asking serious questions to serious people. You, you've heard us talk about baptism. We celebrated baptism this morning. I gotta, I gotta apologize to Justin and I think David, because I don't think your pictures of baptism made it into our video. Those two other, two other guys that, that weren't in that video. Man, that, that's a moment where we decide to be submissive to God and say, I will submit my body to you. And in that moment, God says, I will forgive you of your sins, give you the gift of my Holy Spirit. You can start a brand new life with me and I'll get you unstuck. And maybe that's the, the conversation you want to start. Come talk to me, talk to any of our volunteers and they could get you talking to somebody.